Okay, another edition of the Blue White Breakdown. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. It's Penn Live's Penn State podcast, football podcast mostly. Greg is getting a lot warmer as we get into late May. It's a great feeling, but we got some stuff to talk about today. Something we talked about during spring, Greg, is will Penn State be active in the transfer portal? You know, after spring, uh, specifically, we were looking at the quarterback position. You and I both had a chance to look at Penn State during some spring practices and some scrimmages. I don't know that we either really loved what we saw, maybe from the quarterback position. Sean Clifford is the starter behind him. Just a couple of question marks. It's not really fair to Christian Bayou, a January enrollee, to really expect much in his first year. They also have a third-year quarterback, Taquan Roberson, who has yet to play a meaningful snap. So I think everyone would agree that they would like to probably upgrade the quarterback depth chart. And lo and behold, in the last couple of days or weeks, a name has popped up that might possibly be interested in Penn State LSU quarterback TJ Finley is unhappy and apparently in the transfer portal and they are mentioning him in connection with some other with some other power five schools Texas is one of them I think Auburn's the other but Greg how seriously should the Penn State fan base be taking this news that maybe Finley might be one might become a Penn State Nittany Lion Yeah, Bob, I think it's something that Penn State fans have to monitor now. It looks like he's probably going to stay in the South. He's getting a lot of interest from Alabama, from Auburn. He's a Louisiana native. I think he's going to have a hard time passing up the chance to stay in the South, play for one of those SEC schools. So it's kind of crazy to think that Penn State could actually face him uh, in week three in (laughs) primetime, potentially, if he goes to Auburn. But, you know, the Athletic had a really good story out on him yesterday. They did an interview and not to take too much from that story, but they more or less said that, uh, you know, Finley more or less said that at LSU, they have four guys who could start. As, so he has a 20 or 25% chance of maybe starting. And yeah. he wants to find somewhere where he has maybe a 75% chance of starting. Well, at Penn State, I think he would absolutely have that. Not to say that he's leaps and bounds better right. than Sean Clifford, but he would certainly compete with him, Bob. He would certainly have a chance to, at worst, I think, be the backup, unless Taquan Roberson yeah. is really showing a lot that, um, you know, we we don't see behind closed doors. So one to keep an eye on. I don't think a decision is really imminent. I think that, um, you know, he's going to maybe see if he can take some visits in June. He's probably going to want to get more feel for these coaches and make sure the fit he finds is best for him. So we'll see. But I wouldn't rule Penn State out. Wouldn't call it the favorite either. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I, I do think there's they're going to continue to look at possible additions. I think it's, a, it's something they have to they have to firm up I and mean, they have to feel good, Greg, about their number two quarterback, whoever it is. The number two quarterback is going to probably have to play at Penn State in the fall. It's hard to really project Sean Clifford playing every snap. You know, he runs the ball the last couple of years. You know, he's run the ball a lot. He got beat up pretty good late in 2019. He didn't play every snap in 2020, but that I think was a performance issue. Unfortunately, Will Levis is now at Kentucky. And James Franklin and Mike Yersich have to ask themselves the question, are we really comfortable with the quarterback depth chart the way that it ended in spring? I don't think that they are, but we'll see. So it sounds to me like you're a little bit down on Finley maybe making it to Penn State, even though 
the competition competition level might not be as fierce as it is at some other schools. Uh, he may consider he may be considering, but we'll just keep an eye on that for the Penn State fan base. You alluded to Penn State's game with Auburn in Week Three at Penn State. I believe it was on Monday or Tuesday this week. We learned that we got the start time for that. Uh, 7.30. It's going to be a 7.30. It's going to be a primetime game. Um, I think the assumption for a lot of Penn State fans, Greg, is that Penn State's stadium capacity at Beaver Stadium will be close to it or maybe maybe 100%. We'll wait and see. They keep revising some stuff. The CDC keeps revising stuff every every passing day, it feels like. So, you know, we're talking about uh, September 18th a night game, and that is still, you know, June, July. Uh, it's still four months off. I think you're definitely going to see a pretty full stadium. Hopefully, fans will be able to tailgate as well. I guess, Greg, I don't think it's a big surprise to you that this game was a primetime game. Your thoughts on that, and also, what do we think about what do we think about the Wisconsin game at Wisconsin, September fourth? ABC and ESPN, I think, put out their schedule for for that weekend, Labor Day weekend, Penn State, Wisconsin is not part of ABC and ESPN's coverage plans, Greg. So to me, that means that I would have to think Fox is going to be the best. It's either it's either Fox or I guess the Big Ten Network, but Fox to me seems like the destination for Penn State, Wisconsin, and Camp Randall in week one. Your thoughts on Auburn, and then what about Penn State, Wisconsin? Yeah, just one note quick. I want to run back on the Finley thing. So the SEC actually has a transfer rule where if you go interconference, you have to sit out a season. And they're voting Uh-oh. to either keep or end that rule June 3. So Penn State fans are going to want to watch for that because if they keep that rule, he's not going to go to Auburn or Alabama right. and sit out a season. He's going to go somewhere else. So keep that in mind. As for the Auburn game, Bob, it's a logical primetime pick for ESPN. You know, that's a game that will draw huge ratings regardless of how both of those teams start the season. So excited about that. I think it will probably be the whiteout game. It makes the most sense to me as the whiteout game. I know that, you know, the idea could be to wait for Michigan. And that the last time I believe Penn State did a whiteout game with an SEC opponent, Alabama, back in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And I think it was a day game, actually, too. It was a day game. Yeah. It did not end well for Penn State, but you are correct. Yes. So. We'll see, but that makes I, I think that makes them if they beat Wisconsin, well, I guess you can't wait until uh, yeah. then to call it a whiteout game, or maybe you could. I don't know. Um, <laughs> based on the last year, we've done a lot of things differently than we have in the past, so maybe you could wait. But uh, that's a logical one for me. And then with Wisconsin, yeah, that's to me that's the big noon or big kick, whatever Fox calls it, the big noon kickoff. I guess that's a logical landing spot for them. If you look at the rest of the slate that day, and you look at the choices that have already been made. It's just really hard for me to believe that Penn State, Wisconsin doesn't kick. And that would be 11 local, I believe, in Madison. Yeah. That game wouldn't kick then. So time will tell. But I would expect that Penn State, uh, Wisconsin would be in that noon slot. Nice and early if we're out there in Madison, Greg. Why not? Why not? We'll see. Before we go to some other news, Greg, do you think the fan base is aware of just how tough maybe this, this three-game stretch to open the season is? For Penn State last year, you know, they had to go to Indiana. They had to go to – then they, they hosted Ohio State. Then they got waxed by Maryland, and we know how that turned out. I don't know that – I know that Ohio State's better than any of these teams on Penn, um, Penn State's schedule to open 2021, but it's no picnic. I know that 
a lot of people view Penn State as a top 20 team again this year, much like last year when they were a top 10 team during the 0-5 start. But I mean, Wisconsin's getting a lot of praise for top 20 status. They have just about everyone back. They have some big, they have a lot of good players back. They're really strong up front offensively and defensively. Ball State's the MAC champion. They were seven and one last year. They were number 23 at the end of the year. They have 20 starters back. And Auburn's kind of a mystery because they have a new coach, but they have a really good running back. They have a, a veteran quarterback. This is a three game stretch that could be very, very tough. And I, I just think that people need to really maybe just, just look at what Ball, Ball State was able to do last year. I don't think they're going to be, uh, after Penn State went four and five, I don't know how scared they're going to be of coming into Beaver Stadium. But that's a good team. That's a veteran team. And I don't know that they're going to go quietly. I think Penn State's first three games could be very, very challenging, Greg. Yeah, they're easily the most challenging that I can recall since I started covering the team. I think it could it would probably be in your top two or three in terms of the toughest games to start a season, I would think. I mean, it's not often you have to go on the road in a Big Ten opener and not go to Rutgers, but go to Camp Randall. And yeah. then after that, you go again, you play a team from the Mac, but it's not one of your usual walkover Mac teams. It's one yeah. that's actually pretty good with championship aspirations. And then, oh, by the way, here comes Auburn with a new coach and a new system and everything else. So you might have the element of surprise with Mike Yersich uh, with Wisconsin and with Ball State, but then you get it in reverse with Auburn. So we'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating uh, September, no question, until the Villanova game, which will be what it is. But, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you're looking at probably – I'm thinking, you know, if you made me pick – I was actually thinking about doing this, Bob, predicting each start time. If you made me do it, I would say you're looking at noon for Wisconsin, 3.30 for Ball State, and then prime time for Auburn, which is, of course, already out there. Well, you're a gambling man. You should see if you can get a line on that action somewhere. I, I, it sounds to me like you're on the right path, though, with your Wisconsin call. We already know what Auburn is. So, hopefully uh, – Hopefully it'll play out that way. The, I mean, when it's an 11 a.m. kick, you know, it's it's the good news is you can get your day done if you're uh, watching the game or covering the game. Not as much tailgate time. And the bad news is if it's a 7.30 kick at Penn State like the Auburn game is, you have all this time to kind of get ready for the game and all this time to enjoy your friends and family, whether it's at a house party or hopefully a tailgate uh, for the game. but. Sunday creeps up on you pretty quickly. So you got you got a choice to make. There's good and bad with both. And I think there'll be probably some news on some start times coming real soon, Greg. Before we continue with the blue-white breakdown, though, uh, let's just uh, do what we do on every uh, episode of this. Just let the, the viewers and the, the listeners know what they can do to review, rate, subscribe, where they can find it early, all that good stuff, Greg. Go ahead. Yep, you got it, Bob. The Blue White Breakdown Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, where you get podcasts, you will find us. Leave a review, uh, rate, subscribe, give us your feedback. And if you want the video version, of course, it's always available, youtube.com slash all Penn State. All of our Penn State uh, past footage is there as well, and uh, all the podcasts too. Okay, Greg, let's move it along. We've got to touch on some recruiting. This is the time of year where 
Penn State's going to be busy doing a lot of different things on the recruiting front. Uh, there's been some there's been some news, nothing definitive yet, but I believe you were telling me a Penn State legacy has narrowed his choices, and the good news is Penn State made the cut, right, Greg? Yep, you're spot on, Bob. It's Ryan Brubaker, the four-star offensive tackle from Cocalico. Penn State was a little bit late to offer him. I think they wanted to make sure his size checked out and get a feel for his game uh, during the pandemic uh, 2020 season when they were able to get back on the field. So I, I think that obviously they like him a lot. He has a top five of Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Stanford, uh, which is interesting. And I think that all four of those schools are behind Penn State, but Penn State also um, has to deal with the fact that he's a legacy. He's a PA guy and he's not a shoe in the pick Penn State. You know, he told uh, one of our colleagues, Brian Linder, back in April, that he's not locked into Penn State. He's not guaranteed to pick Penn State. His parents have said to him, if you want to blaze your own path, blaze your own path. So uh, I think that's worth noting that even though he has all these connections to, to PA and Penn State and so on and so forth, so they're not a guaranteed land. Do I think they do in the end? Yeah, I would be very surprised if they did not get a Ryan Brubaker, but he's going to check out all those other schools and compare them against Penn State and see where the chips fall. Yeah, just ha- just listening to you right now, Greg, describe where this uh, this player is in his recruiting process. Uh, I don't want to say this sounds awfully familiar, but I seem to remember another big lineman from that part of the state, not necessarily, not necessarily looking at Penn State num- uh, number one overall. Nolan Rucci, I believe his name was. He's now a Wisconsin Badger. I think he was a little bit more highly regarded of a prospect, but you said this guy's a four-star, and he said Penn State's no guarantee. His dad played at Penn State. Rucci's dad played at Penn State. Is there any chance Penn State's going to run into the same darn scenario it ran into with Rucci? I think it's a lot less likely. I can't. I, you can't discount the brother-brother factor with the Ruchis in Wisconsin, so I think that's important to to note, but you know, again, I guess this is sort of the issue you run into when a guy does what Nolan Rucci did. It's much like we've seen with Philadelphia to a lesser extent, of course. But once a guy in your area, your neck of the woods shows that he doesn't have to go to the in-state school, he doesn't have to go to the the school yeah. that everyone thinks he's going to. He doesn't have to go where dad went or mom went or grandpa, grandma, whatever went. You get to a point where kids look at that and say, you know what? I don't have to do what everyone expects me to do. I can go somewhere else. So we'll see. I mean, obviously if it was, I think most people would view Stanford as probably the biggest threat just because of the academics, but it's obviously a long way from home. So he's going to have to get a sense for what it feels like to be that far away from the Lancaster area when they go out for a visit in June, who of course see Penn State and he's been up here before. So he knows what that trip is like. So again, I don't think Penn State's in any great danger of not getting him, but it can't be it can't be viewed as for such a guarantee he would have already picked them, I guess is what I'm getting at. So the fact that he wants to take visits and see other schools says that it's not as it's not a slam dunk as some might think. All right. We'll just have to watch and see how this plays out. Four star kid, in state kid. I think it would be in Penn State's best interest to make sure they they uh they get this kid to go to Penn State, but we'll see, Greg. You had a chance recently to talk to a veteran offensive lineman who's now up at Penn State. He last played a couple of years ago. He didn't play in 2020. He was one of the best offensive linemen in the Ivy League. Eric Wilson 
who is he picked Penn State as his transfer destination over Auburn. And I believe he recently got to campus. He, he didn't he didn't participate in spring drills. Like I said, Greg, very good lineman on the Ivy League level. Penn State, I think, at least has one opening on its offensive line or, you know, even if it's not a starting job, a swing job. The question is, is Eric Wilson the kind of talent that can kind of hit the ground running in a very short uh, amount of time in August, impress offensive line coach Phil Troutline and James Franklin, and get on the field and play significant snaps for Penn State early in 2021. I know you had a chance to talk to him, Greg. What were kind of some of your takeaways from your chat? Yeah, I I really like Eric Wilson, Bob. You know, he he comes off as a guy who knows that he's coming into a situation where there are some established players and there are some returning with guys who expect to be first teamers. And, oh, by the way, he wasn't able to be here for spring practice and start with Mike Yersich and Phil Troutwine because he was finishing his degree at Harvard. So he's a little bit behind in the physical regard. He was able to work on, you know, Zoom and all that kind of stuff. And he was able to work out with the other Harvard linemen. So there's some things pointing in the right direction here. But yeah, I guess the biggest thing I would say is, you know, think Des Holmes will be healthy for camp, but we didn't necessarily see a ton of him during two open practices. Again, grain of salt, as we've said, never a guarantee that that's always going to work out. But you have Des Holmes, you have Juice Scruggs, you know, you know, Mike Miranda's plugged into a spot. I think Juice Scruggs is plugged into a spot, but the other guard spot is open as far as I'm concerned between Des Holmes Anthony yeah. Wigan and certainly Eric Wilson and maybe some others too. So we'll see. Uh, he's going to make some noise. There's no question. I think it's a jump clearly from the Ivy League to the Big Ten, but seems like a guy who's capable of making it. And it won't shock me if he has a role on this team this fall. But he also said that if he doesn't, he'll do whatever he can during practice to help whoever is out there. So I think he comes in with the right attitude and we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. And I think he's one of those guys that Penn State likes because I believe he's very versatile. I think he said. He feels like he can play multiple spots on the offensive line. He might have been a tackle, I think, at Harvard. Penn State, there's not a lot of room at the end uh, at the tackle position with Caden Wallace and Rasheed Walker back, but they're definitely looking for some people inside with, uh, with Will Fries moving on and with Michael Mennett moving on. Mike Miranda looks pretty established at the center spot, like you, you referenced. I think Juice Scruggs, the way that he played down the stretch in a reserve role, has certainly caught Phil Troutwine's attention, but I think. The, the identity of that third player probably won't be decided. That third starter inside won't be decided until August, which is fortunate for Eric Wilson because I think he's a guy that they'll give him a long look. And hopefully having the year off, they, it could actually help him, but hopefully you know, having that time away, he won't be rusty. Because I think that the one thing I would say about him is when you're joining a new program, they don't know a lot about you. You can't really take your time to get settled. You kind of need to make an impression fairly quickly. I think Penn State knows that, but I think Wilson is one of a, one of the eight or 10 players that really bear watching, I think, during August drills. Greg, we always know the tip-off, whether Penn State likes a young player or a new player, is James Franklin will mention him, you know, kind of unsolicited. We always ask him for who's made an impression, whether it's in spring or in summer camp. And usually he'll give a name or two that surprises. I think that was the case with Kalen King. Uh, in spring, we'll see if Wilson could be that guy in August, but there's a lot of couple other players as well to watch out for. Greg, I just wanted to add one thing because now as we get we inch closer to June, talk to the fan base about real quick. We'll close with this. Penn State uh, has a very talented player 
uh, in its true freshman class. Uh, he was not in spring drills. He might not ever play at Penn State, Greg. Lonnie White from Malvern Prep, the big wideout, is drawing a lot of attention in baseball circles. He is eligible for the amateur baseball draft. I think it's in July this year. Uh, there's some buzz that if he could go in the first round or early second round, he's a very, very talented outfielder, a true dual sports star. Greg, do you have any kind of any kind of thoughts on maybe is Penn State facing a long haul to get him to campus to play wideout, especially if he goes, let's just say hypothetically, he goes early in the second round or possibly sneaks into the first round. To you, does that mean anything or do you think he's just going to have to decide what he wants to do? What sport he likes to play better? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I watched yeah. a couple of videos. We were talking about this yesterday, and I watched a couple of videos with him taking batting practice. And man, uh, yeah. he's going to go pretty early, I think. Uh, yeah. He he looks so smooth. He looks so uh, put together yeah. uh, for the sport of baseball. It seems like he loves that sport. He loves football too. But I don't know, Bob. At this point, all signs point to me that he's going to have to at least consider. You know, we're past the point of him saying, "No, I'm not going to think about it. No, I'm not." Blah blah blah. Whatever. He's going to have to at least look at the money, look at the fit and say, is this what I want to do? And I don't know if I had to flip a, you know, I would say it's if I had to guess, I would guess he's probably more likely to go start his baseball career than he is to end up at Penn State, which would obviously be disappointing for the Lions. But I think it's all, you know, let me tell you something else, too. They sent out a new 2022 receiver offer recently, and they already have some guys on the board. Uh, Christian Driver, Donald Driver's son, uh, who's in Texas. Darius Clemens, a receiver in Oregon, you know, and they have three guys in already in Anthony Ivy, Mackay Flowers, and Caden Saunders. So I don't want to read between the lines too much, but it almost would say to me that they're planning to maybe take another wide receiver or two in this class to make up for the fact that they might not have one uh, that they signed come the, you know, not only this time next year, but this time this year. So we'll see. The baseball draft is what, July, I believe. Yeah. So there's a bit of time to figure out what's going on. I, I can't imagine he's going to come to state college in June right. with the rest of this class. You know, time will tell, but I would be shocked. And uh, yeah, I, I think Penn State fans have to be ready for, you know, the news that he's not going to ever suit up in blue and white. I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. You know, we'll see again. Maybe he falls further than expected. And he says, you know what, I'm going to wait it out. But he's going to get a lot of money thrown his way this year. Yeah. And even if he doesn't go this year, Bob. He's supposed to be a two-sport guy at Penn State. So what would be in the cards for next year? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, from a business perspective, I think it, I think it's a no-brainer for him if he goes where he's supposed to go in the draft to consider that. Just look, Greg, you can just look at all the, the wideout prospects, the, the gifted Penn State wideout prospects that have not worked out at Penn State. That, and they might have been even more highly rated than Lonnie White. You know, whether it's Justin Shorter, you know, Juwan Johnson, Saeed Black, who, I mean, Similar body types. I mean, there's just no guarantee for every for every Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington that hit. There's guys that just that just don't make it. Penn State typically takes a lot of kids in every class. It's a numbers game, and it's just there's no guarantees. And if he can get guaranteed money and a lot of it in the amateur baseball draft from a team, I just think that that's you know he's got to look out for himself. Hopefully, Penn State fans realize that. But man. To your point, you're right. He is apparently he's gotten bigger. He looks great, and I'm sure he would look great in a Penn State uniform. But I just wanted to alert the Penn State fan base that this guy, this guy is as good as advertised. I think on signing day, we talked about the fact that he might have to consider baseball. Well, every every indicator, Greg, is that 
baseball teams are already in love with him. The question is how high will they take him in the draft? But that's coming up soon. We'll have some news on Lonnie White. But that's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Penn Lives, Penn State football podcast. He's Greg Pickle. Lola, Lola the Golden Retriever is at his feet. She's been very good. Just kind of relaxing. Like Greg's going to take her on a long walk now that we're done. I'm Bob Flounders, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>